0: Thank you for listening, but please be advised that I don't just believe should I hear on podcasts, and I really hope that you don't either. Be skeptical and look into things for yourself. If you find that I was wrong about something, the best thing you can do for me is to let me know. You can do that at livingthroughextinction at gmail.com. Please also be aware of the fact that I do swear and I don't bleep anything out, so listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Ruby, and this is episode 101 of Living Through Extinction, a short to-the-point podcast with science and skepticism, environment and wildlife, and stuff I find interesting or important that I want to learn more about. Today I talk about how the hate group Mums for Liberty tried to get an innocent person doing their job arrested, why we should be putting crushed volcanic rock on croplands, some avian flu updates, rapture anxiety, and an intelligent knife that can sniff out cancer in tissue samples with a simple slice. If you have joined me before, then thank you for returning. I really, really do appreciate you. If this is your first time listening to Living Through Extinction, welcome. I hope you find it both fun and informative. In northwest Florida, two members of the hate group Moms for Liberty coerced a 17-year-old student into checking out a young adult book titled Storm and Fury. Why would an adult coerce a student into taking a book out of the library? So they could take it to the sheriff's office and demand that the librarian be investigated for distributing pornography to children. There's video available of one of these women, Jennifer Tapley, in the sheriff's office. In it, she states that the act of checking this book out to a 17-year-old student is no different than if she were to hand a playboy to a young child. That statement is absurd. There's no sex in this book. There's one scene where a 17-year-old and an 18-year-old almost have sex, but they do not end up going through with it. There are also scenes of teenagers making out, all of which we should totally expect in a young adult novel, which is what Storm and Fury is. The recommended age for reading it is 14 to 18 years old. This is what these ignorant women are calling pornography. They want this poor librarian investigated for distributing pornography to children based on the fact that she checked out a book for 14 to 18 year olds to a 17 year old. Jennifer Tapley ran for school board, by the way. I do not believe that she got elected, but still out there trying. This is the kind of thing the people of the U.S. are going to have to get used to the next time the Republicans win the presidency. These types of witch hunts are prevalent throughout their mandate for leadership. Remember, this isn't just me pulling shit out of my ass. Anyone can read what the Republicans have put in writing for all to see. It's all right there in Project 2025's mandate for leadership. One just has to care enough about the truth to look. We should be treating librarians as war heroes for continuing their careers and continuing to do the right Thing in this growing age of theocratic oppression with groups like mumps for liberty and other far-right christian hate groups coming after them they're putting their freedoms on the line by continuing to do their jobs yet they keep going despite being villainized by an entire political party librarians are the true free speech heroes 100 percent the last thing any of us need are those clanned Karen Hood twatsies determining what our kids can and can't read. Those who attempt to limit access to information are never the good guys. Those who strive to remove books from public access, especially by telling outright lies about them, are always the bad guys. Be skeptical, damn it. It turns out adding crushed volcanic rock to land used for crops could play a major role in removing carbon from the atmosphere. In the natural process, rain captures CO2 as it falls through the air. When a CO2-filled raindrop makes contact with volcanic rock, there's a reaction that results in the volcanic rock that locks up the carbon. The process is called rock weathering, and it can take millions of years. But what researchers at the University of California, Davis and Cornell University have discovered is that smaller rock pieces speed up the process. By crushing it into a fine dust, the process is sped up even more. Their studies estimate that this enhanced rock weathering could store 215 billion tons of carbon dioxide over 75 years if spread across croplands globally. That's a massive improvement that could be a real contributor to our battle against climate change. The field studies have been published in the journal Environmental Research Communications. I have a few avian flu updates today. On a negative note, it's reached the Antarctic for the first time. The latest known evolution of the avian flu virus has been found in brown skuas on Bird Island. These are migratory birds so are most likely bringing it with them from South America. The worst part about this is that a lot of the species found in the Arctic are not found anywhere else on the planet, and they do not currently exist in huge numbers. If the avian flu gets into these populations, animals such as fur seals and sea lions could be put at risk of extinction. On a more positive note, work with gene editing has created chickens which are resistant to avian flu. This was of course accomplished with the use of CRISPR. With it, they tweaked the chicken gene that is responsible for producing the protein... ANP32A. During infection, the bird flu virus takes over this protein in order to replicate and spread. With the changes made to this gene, the chickens are turning out to not just be resistant to the avian flu, but it also limits the spreadability of it in those who catch it. Resistance combined with slowing the spread are two very good tools for combating any contagious disease. On another positive note, Some wild birds have been gaining immunity to the current avian flu, which is a very encouraging sign. This means we may lose less birds over this next winter than last. The H5N1 virus has multiple genes which can switch and evolve together. The result of this is the ability to quickly spread to a large range of species. The current outbreak began in 2021, and the latest changes to the virus made it both more deadly and more virulent, which is why we ended up with the worst outbreak on record. The mortality rate has been very high, in some species almost 100%, and it's killed millions of wild birds since the beginning. However, some of the population of some birds seem to have survived and gained immunity. Research has confirmed this with blood samples. Northern garnets on Scotland's Bass Rock are testing positive for antibodies. These are a species of bird which were hit extremely hard by the avian flu in 2022. Now up to 30% appear to have gained immunity. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's a pretty good start. The research on this was done by the Flumap Consortium, which is led by the Animal and Plant Health Agency. It was published in the International Journal of Avian Science. Everyone has a basic idea of what the rapture is, right? It's kind of a joke to most of the world's population, including the great majority of the world's Christians. But there are massive numbers of Americans who believe in it wholeheartedly. It's not a stance that existed in the church in any historical sense, and it is not in any way biblical except for the resurrection of Christ. An awful man who wanted to raise children in a cruel, senseless way that would instill fear of disobedience came up with it, and it grabbed hold of enough of a population to stick around. That's the Rapture origin story. While early Christianity did focus a bit on the study of when and how the world would end, the rapture concept as the average person thinks of it today didn't come along until the 18th century among the Puritan preachers of England. The part most people remember about the rapture is that Christians will at some point be raptured up to heaven before the period of hell and earth leading to the end occurs. Non believers and the unrepentant are left behind to endure it all. It was a vile man named John Nelson Darby, a co founder of the Plymouth Brethren Church, who came up with the narrative still told to children of many evangelical Christians today. Descriptions of the sky bring visions of Trump to mind. He was known to be ill tempered, scornful, vindictive, confused, cruel, petty, tyrannical, disgruntled, arrogant, and incapable of coexisting with different viewpoints. That last part fits with evangelical Christian extremists as well. The concept of the rapture as we think of it today came to the United States after the Civil War. That makes it still a pretty new religion in the U.S. Yet today, 65% of evangelicals in the U.S. believe in the rapture, the tribulation, and the return of Christ. Ever since the beginning of the rapture concept, believers have all believed it would come before they died. All of them. Believers in the late 1800s believed it would happen before they died they are now all dead. Believers in the early 1900s believed it would happen before they died. Most, if not all of them are now dead. Believers today believe it will happen in their lifetime. Sometime soon, they will all be dead. And then there will still be people believing that it will happen in their lifetime. I guess that's why they are kept from learning history as much as possible. Imagine realizing this pattern as a young person in a family that's a part of one of these cults. One's perceived loving family would start to seem as horrific real fast. And then there's nothing a kid in a cult like that can do other than run away. They're forced to pretend until they're old enough to be able to go it on their own. And then they have the challenge of trying to go it on their own with a far-right Christian education, which does not cut it outside of far-right Christian workplaces. It's all so fucked up. Like, these kids are set up to fail. There are people in politics in the United States who would do anything to bring on the end times. People who can't wait for it to all burn. We should be terrified of those people gaining any power. Now, I can point out a lot of issues with different belief systems, but this belief in particular has been shown to cause harm in so many different areas. The largest by far being the mental health of people who are forced to grow up with these beliefs. Being taught and shown horrific things at incredibly young ages. There's an unbelievable number of religious trauma victims who come out of a hardcore rapture family. I've read and listened to a lot of their stories over the years. And it breaks one's heart to envision children in some of these circumstances. I saw it described in one place as harmful apocalyptic hysteria. And that is spot on. For one thing, it promotes the longing for the next life over any joy one might find in this life. That is so fucking sad. And now we have people living with rapture anxiety, some of them with severe PTSD. Rapture anxiety is acknowledged by faith experts and mental health professionals as a form of religious trauma, which can lead to an increase in anxiety, depression, paranoia, and even OCD-like mannerisms. Children are taught from Birth, that the rapture is something to be prayed for and welcomed. They are taught that they need to be preparing for it during every moment of their lives. They are taught that if they have questions or fears, then that means they must have sinned. So everyone is terrified to speak up. Every child who doubts pretends. Every child who expresses fear about the rapture is told that they must have done something to make them fear it. Guilt is thrust upon them. They grow up being regularly reminded that the rapture will happen in their lifetime and that it could happen at any time. One must remember to repent even the smallest of sins so that they are pure when it does happen. If one were to forget or to put it off, the rapture could happen and they would be left behind without their friends or family. They are raised with the belief that the world we are in is something awful which they should be excited to get out of. It takes away any reason to want to do anything to make the world better for future generations. Why would you when you wholeheartedly believe the world as we know it will not exist for future generations? Many who have come out of this type of family talk about being forced to watch violent, rapture-themed films as young, terrified children. Those who had a natural compassion with them had it really hard. They tell stories of crying themselves to sleep, thinking about all the people and pets that were going to be left behind to suffer. Speaking of pets, here's something that really happened. I don't think it was all that long ago either. During one of the recent end-of-the-world date predictions where some leader of a bunch of rapture Christians declared the date of the event was coming, here it was, this is when it's going to occur, pause. Before I continue, I would like to preface this with the fact that I do not condone scamming people. Continue. Okay, so this did happen. People who did not believe in the rapture, which is most of us, put out ads for people who did believe that they were going to be raptured and be leaving their precious pets behind. For upfront payments of sometimes thousands of dollars, they agreed to take in people's pets and take care of them after the owners ascended. It actually makes me sad for humanity that this worked on anyone, but of course it did. During the same period, believers were draining their bank accounts, taking out all the loans and doing all the things with the belief that they would never have to pay any of it back. Anyway, back to the kids. They're the ones who really get the shit deal in these cults. Rapture believers create a fear in their children that few outsiders could understand. As adults, some kids talk about being taught all the signs and how they would watch for them and feel terror every time something seemed to fit. It's like the religion of constantly looking over one's shoulder. As young children, they believe that they would never grow up. They mourned their futures. They cried secretly over the belief that they would never be adults, see the world, have families of their own. They would think about how unfair it is, then become terrified of their own thoughts because they were also taught to see anything other than complete joy about the rapture as a signal of sin. They would then instantly repent because what if it were to happen right now? These kids suffered hours and hours of anxiety throughout their childhoods and never felt safe telling anyone about it. That is extremely harmful. As human beings, we need to be able to talk about our fears. If we are raised to be fearful of doing so, we are not going to come out okay. And then there's the fear of having been left. Those get me every time. Those poor fucking kids... And it's so common that every time I've heard three or more have a discussion about their backgrounds, someone at some point always seems to ask, so what was your first experience with thinking you'd been left behind? Because they all have one. Oh my God, it's so sad to think about the terror that they must be put through in these circumstances. And it's all so fucking unnecessary. It's cruel. Inevitably, one day, a child comes home on a quiet day, and nobody is there, and they step outside, and there's no cars going by, and nobody is around, and their little child brain goes straight to, It happened! I must have forgot to repent for something! Now they're all gone, and I'm here all alone! Can you imagine? These poor kids. Indoctrination of some beliefs should be labeled the child abuse that it is. As a result of the trauma, people are being diagnosed with complex PTSD. Even once someone has come out of one of these cults, their bodies remember, and they can be triggered into fight-or-flight mode when things remind them of their upbringing. I saw it described as comparable to phantom limb. The idea has been mentally overcome, but there is a phantom of that idea somewhere deep in your brain that still reacts as though you believe. Being raised with belief in the rapture really messes with a person's mental and emotional well-being. Victims are suffering flashbacks, insomnia, and when they can sleep, nightmares for decades after leaving it all behind. There are people who were raised to believe that the rapture was coming very soon, so soon that there was no point in making any college plans or any plans for the future. So the belief is messing with people's futures in a pretty big way. And for some of them, if they were to go ahead and make future plans, their families would accuse them of being a person without faith. That could have someone ostracized from their family just for planning for the future. I remember reading about one of these women who got an associate's degree then just stopped because Jesus would be here any time now. No point going any further. These Christian cultists are at it hard even today, having end-of-days conferences where they can put their heads together to come up with ways to twist the Christian book of revelations to not just fit their narratives, but to attempt to connect events lined out in scripture with current world events. Just like all different sects of Christianity, they are huge cherry-pickers of the Bible. They insist on taking it literally when it matches up with what points they are trying to make, but anything that contradicts their claims is allegory or myth. It's also fucking dishonest. Matthew 24, for example, two statements in there contradict what they teach today. So those are not taken literally. The other stuff is definitely meant to be taken literally, though. One of those examples from Matthew 24, when speaking of the signs which will predate the rapture, the quote is, this generation will not pass away before these things happen, unquote. It's been 2000 years. That is all. Another quote that would be a contradiction is, these things will take place regionally, not globally, unquote. So none of this was meant for the entire planet, never mind a mostly white country to the West who would sooner shoot someone who looked like the actual Jesus Christ than invite them in. But those other parts, the parts they like, those are for sure meant to be taken literally. What they are is a group of manipulative liars. This may not be as exciting as making kids here, which I talked about in December, but the eye knife is still pretty fucking awesome. The intelligent knife is the result of researches led by the Department of Surgery and Cancer's Professor Sadaf Magami, and their work has been published in cancer. The testing so far has been done on womb cancer, the fourth most common cancer in women. In the UK, it affects 9,300 people with gynecological organs every year. The knife is equipped with what I saw described as a library of smoke signatures. These signatures are of both cancerous and non-cancerous tissues. For testing, biopsies were taken from the wombs of 150 women. The eye knife was then used to cut through each sample. As it cuts, it also emits an electrical current heating the tissue so that a small amount of smoke is released. This is what is captured and analyzed by the eye knife with the use of mass spectrometry. It will alert to any flags in the vapor that indicate cancer. If a woman presents with abnormal vaginal bleeding, instead of waiting in fear for the biopsy to be sent away and for the results to come back, the use of this intelligent knife on the tissue sample could diagnose or rule out womb cancer within minutes. So far, testing has shown it to provide fast, accurate results. For women who are negative, this is going to relieve them of a lot of stress that comes with waiting for results. For women who are positive, this is going to speed up treatment, increasing their chances of full recovery. I hope this one doesn't take super long to reach the point of common use. I'm done for today. Please consider subscribing to the YouTube for short weekly skeptical videos. Thank you for joining me. May your health and sanity continue to be replenished daily. My eternal gratitude goes out to the following people. Jason Martin for helping me get started on this project four years ago. I wouldn't be doing this right now if not for him. Kathy Rayner for her musical contribution on the violin. Paul Palmer for his musical contribution on the guitar. He can be found out WPG Suitcase Drummer on Instagram. Dustin Harder for composing and recording the intro and outro for the show. You can find him on Instagram at Prairie Soul Music. And finally, thank you to the hubby and kids. Love y'all lots. I hope you will choose to join me again in two weeks for episode 102 of Living Through Extinction. If you enjoy Living Through Extinction and would like to support the show, the best ways to do so are to subscribe and rate and to comment and like positive comments on your favorite podcast player. Or you can help out by following, liking, and sharing on all the social medias. The show can be found under Living Through Extinction on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, YouTube, Pinterest, and TikTok. And under LTE Pod on Blue Sky, Hive, Tribal, and Twitter. There is also a Patreon at patreon.com slash livingthroughextinction. There you can earn stickers, pins, masks, and more, as well as help me to plant some trees. If you have any comments, corrections, questions, or suggestions, please email them to livingthroughextinction at gmail.com or message me through one of the social medias.